This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. So I remember in what seems like a million years ago now, the bold discussions around our workplaces becoming paper-free. But it never really seemed to happen. I don't know about you, but when I look around my office, I see paper baskets and paper recycling boxes that are overflowing. Jonathan Kendall, as always, joining us from ABC Gippsland. Jono, paper-free didn't really seem to happen. We still are using a lot of paper. We are, we are. And you mentioned the recycling boxes there, Rish, and thank you and good morning. We just seem to be relying on recycling. We're just kind of using a lot of this stuff and then we decide to recycle them as well. But maybe that decision to go paperless has been made for us because white paper is no longer being made in Australia after the nation's last ream came off the line last week. Maryvale Paper Mill, just outside Terelgan, near where I am, just down the road from me in sale right now, is closing um, and they've stood workers down. It was the the last white paper producer in Australia and its closure has the potential to send paper prices skyrocketing. So if it's going to be more expensive, will that mean that we will use less paper? But it's interesting when you talk about the closure of Maryvale, that's an emotional and a real conversation for that town and that community who have relied on that mill as the main source of employment for generations. And Jono, we all know the consequences for small towns when employment and the main employment disappears. That's right. And and we should mention here that it's not, uh, we haven't had final word that, that it is closed. Closing. There is still the opportunity that they could open it back up, but there's certainly no production there happening at the moment. But will that mean that um, that costs, you know, skyrocketing costs, will that create behaviour change? Will we end up going towards uh, being paperless quicker? And can small and large businesses become paper-free? Isn't it interesting when we think about all of our conversations about our footprint and reducing our carbon emissions and looking at what we use it's mainly around plastics and we've yes, seen huge yep. changes come into place this week around single-use plastics. It does feel like the conversation around how much paper we use has fallen to the wayside. The idea of how it's recycled, as you said, John, we just use it and presume that it's getting recycled and we know that there's been really big and confronting conversations around how we recycle. So I wonder, is there going to be an alternative to making pro- pro- uh, to making paper? Are there alternative products that we can use? But maybe you have gone paper-free or maybe you're trying and you're finding it impossible. And if prices go through the roof, will you have to rethink how much paper you use? And when was the last time you checked your letterbox? Are you still getting junk mail? ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne, Jonathan Kendall with you in ABC Sale and we're talking about whether or not you've managed to go paper free or like me, when you look around, are you seeing your recycling bins overflowing? Are you seeing your use of paper steadily grow more and more? Jono, when you're at Aldi, 
And they say, <laughs> do you want a catalogue? <laughs> I'm about 50-50 because I actually really I find it interesting to read catalogues, but uh, I don't always accept it. And we probably shouldn't be saying yes, should we? Because, you know, in that Isle of Dreams, do you ever find anything that you really need anyway? Well, I, I, I did nearly walk out with a skateboard the other day, but that's another <laughs> conversation. You go in there for milk and, yeah, anyway. But um, the idea of catalogues, okay, so when we're talking about paper and paper use, So, okay, we're not writing letters and maybe using envelopes as much anymore, but something as simple as junk mail in our letterbox, it's still there. It might be eaten by worms and all sorts of (laughs) things, snails, but... There is still junk mail, you know. I'm still, I'm still saying yes at Aldi to the paper catalogue. See, that's kind of like I don't mind if you get rid of junk mail. I have a no junk mail sign on my letterbox. That's fine. But what about those more important things like um, prescriptions, paper prescriptions? Because some, you know, there are online prescriptions, but most people generally use paper prescriptions. What about bills? A lot of people like to get a bank statement in hard copy. They don't like to check that online. Um, and and a lot of the time this is older people, but younger people as well. So I'm wondering if you want to talk to us about going paper free. This text, so without using office paper, we'll use more electricity, accessing things digitally every time and we'll become more susceptible to being hacked. Paper documents can't be accessed online by anyone. Let's have a chat with Chris. Chris is in Hoddles Creek. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, paper free. It was, you know, the buzz term. It feels like a, a decade or two ago. Have you managed to go paper free? I certainly have in my home office. So before COVID, when I worked in a physical office, I'd print reports out, read them at my desk, pop them through the shredder. Once I started working from home, I didn't have that option. And so it changed pretty much now your your behaviour generally? Absolutely. Even when I'm back in the office a couple of days a week, I no longer print the reports. There you go. I mean, I know I like to print things out and even if it's if I'm making speeches or I'm, you know, doing work, even scripts and things, I still like to print those out. Yeah, that's right. And I know I've like just in my work here, I will just read off a computer screen. I I don't have any really any paper in front of me, but I know, you know, there's some there's some workplaces that rely on paper and rely on office paper. Uh, so let's have a chat with Justin Flenley, who is a third generation worker from the Maryvale Paper Mill, the Opal Australian Paper Mill. He's been stood down as of the 1st of January. Um, good morning, Justin. What's that meant for you, being stood down since the start of January? Good morning, guys. Yeah, so for me, I've been yeah, stood down for the month uh, so far. Um, and yeah, it's definitely nerve wracking times. I, I think you mentioned before, I I'm a third generation worker out there. My, I've, done, I've done 12 years. My father has done 40 odd years, and my granddad uh, done a few years as well. So it was never, it never came across my mind that I would be stood down or need to look at another industry to to change um, uh, change my career path to to provide for my family. And so, just. Justin, yep, when we sorry. talk about issues like this, it, it's a global conversation really, isn't it? When we talk about our the, the amount of paper that we use and recycle, the amount we have to import in order to keep up with demand. But for you, for your family and for this small local community in East Gippsland, it's a, an entirely different conversation. For those that don't know Maryvale, tell us a little bit about the community. How big is it? How many people live there? 
Uh, I'm not quite sure how many people live live in the community in Latrobe Valley, but um, there's over a thousand workers um, just at the Maryvale site uh, across operations and um, managers and contractors and and so on. So it's it's definitely a big hit for us, especially we've had Hazelwood Power Station closed down, um, and then in the near future looking at other power stations as well. So out of the big industry in the area, a, a lot of the the, the um, employees that have um, a lot of employees are closing down in the area. Yeah, and can you just clarify something for us, Justin? There's a text here saying the number five paper machine is expecting to close. It is expected they will cease white paper production. There's still at least three other paper machines and associated pulping and power production operations that will continue making packaging grades from plantation softwood and recycled paper. That's from Mike, who says he's an ex-Maryvale employee. Is that the way you understand it? Yes, correct. So I, I, I work, or I still am employed, but I, I worked on the M5 paper machine, so the white paper, the copy paper side. So we still have another four machines on site which make um, packaging, um, and yeah, we do have our own uh, power or recovery and recovery power plant and power station there, uh, which they will downsize with the white paper production um, potentially seizing. We haven't got the confirmation yet, but that's the way it's looking. Uh, so we're downsized there across dispatch contractors and all that. So about a third of the site, I think it will be in total across the workforce. Um, so, yeah, so it's actually a pretty big hit for the guys there. And so, Justin, are you now questioning your future in that community? Is there enough potential work for you to support your family? I know you've got a young and growing family. Is this something that concerns you long term? Uh, it definitely is concerning. So, like, I've got my partner. She's she's due uh, end of Feb with our second boy. Um, so, m- moving forward, like, we we do like the community. We want to stay around here. So, we're trying to um, find more work, and I'm, I'm trying to start a little business up to stay in the area. But it's it does get concerning when you get got so much of the big industry closing in the area. Do you try and move out now before it does hurt the community really bad, or do you just hang in there and hope that more more um, manufacturing comes in t- into the area. So it's it's definitely concerning times. There's a lot of weight on the shoulders with decisions where to go. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Justin, look, good luck with those decisions because it sounds like a, a real time of transition for you. Thank you, Justin. Justin Flenley, a third-generation Maryvale worker who has been stood down as of the 1st of January and um, Rish, his partner Jess, is due with their second baby boy on the 24th of February. Yeah, gosh, and that's just around the corner now, isn't it? Plenty of texts on this around how successful you have or you haven't been going paperless. Rish and Jono, the paperless future must be terrifying for schools. If you've been in any school recently, you know how busy the printer and the copier in schools are. They go through so much paper. If there's an increased cost, then that's going to make it even harder for them financially, says Elizabeth in Doncaster. And I spent a little bit of time, as many families probably did on the weekend, in office works, Jono, getting... (laughs) Getting ready for back to school. Getting prepared. And as we were waiting for things to print on paper as well, I was standing there just actually looking at the, knowing that we had today's program on, just looking at the walls and walls of paper and and the different types and where it is and whether it's recycled, how much of the percentage of it is recycled. And there was no, I mean, I was in office works, but there was no shortage of paper. 
No. And so that's where does it come from now? If we're not producing office copy paper in Australia, we're going to have to import it from somewhere. So where does it come from? And, and generally what I'm hearing is places like China and, and Thailand as well. So that's a, I guess that's a bigger issue, but... But it is, uh, you know, connected. How do you how do you go paperless these days? Let's have a chat with Mary in Caulfield. Have you gone paperless, Mary? No, and I want to raise a concern in education. Um, I'm a university lecturer, and I just read the thought of students relying solely on e-journals and e-books. There's a quality of reading they miss out on if they don't have access to a printed copy. Um, I find I give my students an exercise. First of all, read an article and jot down the information. Read it again, jot down the arguments. Read it again and criticise the arguments. But that quality of reading, if you're going to rely on e-reading, needs to start happening way down in the primary, the secondary and certainly a tertiary level. That's fascinating, Mary. I'd never really thought of educational outcomes and whether or not we've looked into the, the quality of, of, of literacy. So you think people's reading ability has diminished as a result of not reading from paper and not necessarily books. You're talking about just printed A4. Yes, that's true. Um, it, it's very easy to skim read for information. But those higher quality of thinking skills, such as uh, the argument, critiquing the argument, those qualities are being lost. Students quickly learn to read for information, and that's it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you for your call, Mary. I'm wondering, Rish, if there is some connection between retention of information that you have read uh, on, on paper compared with retention of information that you've read on a screen. But then, as Mary said, maybe we'd need to introduce e-reading at an earlier age. Yeah, if we're not yeah, going yeah. to be producing paper here anymore, yeah. you know, yeah. the idea of whether or not you have, you can go paperless, if a certain degree of that decision is going to be taken out of our hands or, yeah. you know, will do you want to know where your paper comes from? Will, will it have to be imported if we don't change our behaviour in any way? Lots of people talking about that transition from office to working from home and that's when their consumption and their behaviour has changed. Another that says when the work from home orders started in 2020, I immediately realised that 99.9% of my paper use was unnecessary. Now we've gone back to the office. No one uses the printers the way we used to. There are empty paper recycling boxes, ring binder folders, in trays stacked around the office. At home, I've managed to cut out paper. For example, I've opted for electronic invoices. The only thing I still receive on paper is my superannuation statement. But that's the other thing too we get prescriptions everything sent yes. to our phones now yeah i was just thinking about that educational setting like in schools do you remember when it was a bit of a wet day or um, the teacher just needed a little bit of time alone they would print off say 24 or 25 worksheets and you just hand out a worksheet and each student sits around and completes the worksheet like is that all going to be on a on a, a tablet or a screen like I don't know. I just can't see it changing any time soon. We probably do need to change. Is it going to change? I'm a little bit sceptical. I don't know. Adam Joy is the Office Brands Chief Executive. Adam, when we look at our paper consumption, what's your general feeling? I mean, are we going to just not change our behaviour and maybe be just forced to import? 
Oh, look, I think uh, everyone's been changing their behaviour over the years. I think everyone's printing less and less, but there's still a need for paper uh, today. Uh, the fact that we're not going to be produced in Australia does force us all to import it. And I think you mentioned previously, you know, from China, Thailand, Indonesia, India, there's a number of countries where we're all looking to import that paper from at the moment. What are the um, the standards, the certifications in place to make sure that that paper is sustainably sourced? Well, that, this is the big challenge, isn't it, to make sure that we're not tearing down rainforests or orangutan homes or things like that. So I know for office brands, it's certainly on the top of our criteria list for when we're importing that our paper is certified and sustainable before we import it in. But I know there's plenty of options out there uh, to find a cheaper grade uh, because of the tariffs as well. Everyone's worried about paying more for it. So people tend to get... Uh, uh, less focused on sustainability if they can get a better price, but our focus is on making sure it's sustainable and certified and bringing it into the country. Adam, when we look at consumer trends and some of the homework that we put into the products that we buy, some of the concerns we may have around greenwashing with products, how much homework goes in, do you think? You know, I'm asking you to guess here, but from the average consumer, when it comes to the sort of paper that we buy, is it based on cost? Is it based on feel, like the actual quality of the product, or is it based on the amount recycled and how it is produced? Look, I think the uh, consumers are becoming more educated all the time and I think they put their trust in, uh, you know, accredited resellers, whether that be online or through a physical outlet. So I think the standards in Australia are high about having product labelling uh, that is certified and I think it's very hard to get around that. So I think the consumers can feel confident there. I think the, the ease is these days is that when you can order anything online from anywhere you go, uh, you can find product that may not be certified or sustainable and, and try and circumvent the price increases that are coming our way by, by buying what's available. Yeah, well, there's a question here from Barb on the text line, which is on the tip of my tongue as well, Adam. Why can't we just use more recycled paper? Why can't we, we do that? Absolutely, we can. I think that's, uh, that's been evident over the last uh, 10 years. If you have a look at the use of paper and the increase in use of either carbon neutral or, uh, or recycled paper, there's definitely a need to, to continue to do that. There's a text here that says there are no Australia-made white printing, copy or writing papers produced anymore. Stores are selling out existing stocks that are already in the supply chain. All new stocks are imported, many from countries with lower environmental standards that we have. Office waste is no longer being processed in Australia. What's the future, do you think, of paper in Victoria, Adam? Oh, look, I think the future in terms of usage, will there will always be a need for some paper. I think we'll continue to decrease our use on it. Um, but what would be nice is if we could have an Australian-made paper or a way to ensure the paper that's coming into Australia is certified and sustainable. Are there any other alternatives, Adam, to this this really white A4 you know, copy paper? Are there, is there anything else we can use? Oh, look, I think uh, there's always another option and we can use uh, browner paper and I think it's about changing consumer habits And but recycled is definitely a way to go um, if that's an option for us to keep producing recycled paper. Uh, look, I think there's always new ways we can look at things and we can't get ourselves bogged down in what we used to have or what we've always done. Adam, thanks for your time. No problem. Adam Joy, Office Brands Chief Executive. So many texts on this. This saying, a paperless future must be terrifying for so many people in so many areas. Another saying, thanks for the reminder. I just bought a new junk mail plaque for my letterbox just a few weeks ago, but I'd forgotten to stick it on. It's all done now. Thank you. Scott's in Hampton Park. G'day, Scott. G'day. How are you doing? Good. Paperless. Yeah, I literally 
cannot read an ebook, a, a Kindle, uh, anything. I need that physical paper book or I fall asleep. This doesn't work for you. I must admit, I'm not a big fan of them either. I wonder, though, how much of this conversation is around books or if it's around more of that A4 single-sheet paper, Scott. Do you use much of that, say, in your working environment? The working environment, yes, because uh, I'm retail and we have all the tickets change over every week, every special. So there's a room of paper at least every week, every store, you're going through a lot of paper just doing that. Surely that's something that could be changed, like little electronic. So you're talking about produce or yeah, products? Yeah, uh, produce, even, even grocery, the uh, liquor. Every store that you see that's got paper tickets mm. gets changed over. Uh, now that uh, every, even the liquor industry, every six months they have a tax increase. So all the tickets have to change. Every ticket, every store. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, sort of all those little bits of paper on every product that you look at, you know, if you're like me, is they're looking for what's on sale. (laughs) (laughs) And I wouldn't have even thought about that in terms of paper use. And if you're changing one single ticket, you're printing off a whole page with one ticket on it and throwing the rest away. Yeah, that's that's wasteful, isn't it? Scott, thank you for your call. Mara is in Bacchus Marsh. Uh, What should we be doing, Mara? Well, I was just thinking, um, I'd never heard anyone discuss the possibility of using bamboo or, say, um, sugarcane mulch, things like that, that renew very quickly. And apparently there are about um, 300 types of bamboo and they have bamboo tours of Thailand. And so I'm sure people could investigate that and Mm. have a think about it. (laughs) Quite literally, Mara, as you said that, another text that came in and said, what about bamboo? (laughs) There you are. It's more sustainable, it's easily grown and use it to make toilet paper as well. We're going to have a chat to Joost Backer in just a moment who believes that we can actually currently use the waste that we already produce to make all the paper that we need, including toilet paper, because that's something that we haven't brought into this conversation is the amount of paper that we produce in order to wipe our tushies you know like the amount of toilet paper that we that's the first time i've heard the word tushies used in a long time rochelle hunt i was trying to think of a polite way i like the cut of your jib i like it this is Um, interesting cell is in carlton north and it says this is a privileged conversation the assumption that everyone has the latest electronic device to access power the underprivileged will be left behind again yeah, that's true. And I mean, I know there's there's programs within schools to get every student to have a laptop or to have a tablet and more and more education is moving towards electronic um, devices. But you're right, there's some people who still don't have those devices or still don't have internet access. So it's they still need paper. And I remember during some of the lockdowns, um, there was actual, you know, worksheets sent home to do home learning because some people just couldn't get access. So. Of we still we still need paper. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne, Jonathan Kendall with you in ABC Sale, talking about the future of paper as we slowly but surely cease to produce paper in Victoria. Will that change 
our use? Will that change our behaviour? And what are some of the alternatives? And never before have we really scrutinised our recycling system, Jono. And there's a lot of scepticism around what we recycle and how we recycle and the greenwashing yeah. around that. We just rely on it so much, don't we? It's kind of like, well, we, we won't actually cut down on what we use. We'll just keep consuming all this stuff and then, ah, oh, don't worry, it'll get recycled somehow, you know. it's Maybe we need to think about how we're using the products in the first place. That really interesting comment here from Stu in Doreen saying, time to go full circle and revert back to tablets or of the clay, of the clay variety, not the electronic <laughs> oh, the variety. The old chalkboards, the old china graph, <laughs> you name it. Yes. Rebecca Gilling is the CEO of Planet Arc. Rebecca, when we talk about us using paper now because we think that's all right, you know what, we can just shred it, it'll be recycled, it can go into our compost. How much of our paper are we recycling and recycling properly? Well, we're recycling, good morning to you both. Um, we're recycling high quantities of newsprint, for example, uh, very high. It was one of the first things that we were able to recycle at curbside back in the day. And uh, even though we're, our use of newsprint is diminishing, our recycling rates are still very high. Uh, when you're talking about office paper, um, it's it's a different story. The recycling rate is not as high as it should be, and that's partly to do with the fact that even though people and companies are recycling that paper, they're not recycling it separate from, from cardboard. So it goes back into m making cardboard rather than going into making quality office paper, which is would be the ideal circular economy result. Mm. Right, so this kind of comes back to us being bad recyclers? Well, it's not so much that we're bad recyclers. It is the systems that are available to us. And obviously, recycling is a cost to business. It's a cost to consumers, but it's hidden in our rates uh, at curbside. Um, so, you know, people, people are very good at, um, for the most part, at putting the right sort of paper in their recycling. And that's obviously magazines, office paper and, and cardboard products. Um, what people ought to be doing is putting things like paper towel and tissues in into their home recycling because the, the fibres are just not long enough to be useful to go back into to making cardboard, okay. for example. Okay, but if we um, had one... Uh, office paper stream of recycling. So, you know, just for in, for hypothetical sake, we had an extra bin just for office paper and that got recycled. Would, would that be a solution to this problem? Oh, it would be great in terms of a clean stream of office paper. But the problem we have there is that at curbside, we've now got at least three bins in most areas and in some places four. And with people increasingly living in multi-unit dwellings, the room for those bins for the for the councils to pick them up is very limited. So, you know, <laughs> you solve one problem and create another. What we are seeing, I, I mean, I take the point of, of one of your listeners about the social justice and equity issue of not everybody having access to ele electronic means of of um, sharing information. But the fact of the matter is that more and more that's happening. And what we saw during COVID was that um, uh, of, uh, purchases of office paper started to decline and they haven't really picked up again. So the paperless office uh, finally is is uh, gathering momentum. And when we look at the paper that is being purchased and, and what is left of it, how much of that is recycled? 
Right, uh, oh, well, uh, people it, buying recycled paper. Sorry, I should be more specific. Yeah. Um, look, it's it's not as high as it should be. And um, uh, we actually had a, an arrangement with Opal, um, who who run the Maryvale Mill, um, and we produced, they produced a 100% recycled uh, uh, office paper under the Planet Arc brand. Unfortunately, the market just wasn't there for it. And that's partly to do with the fact that people still have this idea that uh, recycled office paper is not as good quality as 100% virgin paper and that it may damage their printers. And, and we still have printer companies that say, you know, you might void your, your warranty if you use recycled paper. None of this is true anymore. Uh, ah. It's as good a quality as anything else. Uh, but um, these these perceptions uh, persist, and unfortunately, that has affected the market for for recycled content. But really, in the circular economy, whether it's office paper you're talking about, or toilet paper, or toilet tissue, or paper towels, we really encourage consumers to close the loop by not just recycling paper, but buying paper with recycled content. Yes, that's right. That's really interesting. I didn't know that, that there was just less demand for recycled compa- uh, paper compared to... I wonder if that's cost, though. I reckon it is. I reckon it's the penny pinches. Well, it, 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 it's, not, it, it's not really cost because the, we uh, our branded paper was um, cost parity with with 100% virgin um, office paper. Oh, but okay. it, it nonetheless... It, so the, the cost, really? cost is, is, is so, not an issue... Isn't this uh, similarly then? with toilet paper, for example? I mean, you can buy a hundred percent recycled to- uh, content toilet paper that is uh, of a quality to match um, the hundred percent virgin. Uh, but uh, and people are more and more um, picking it up, but not at the rate that we need. That's fascinating, and I wonder whether I mean, when we're talking about the recycled paper, if it is the same price, is it because it looks different? There's a text here that says, why does office paper have to be whiter than white? Is it about colouring and just this weird assumption that we have for certain documents anyhow that it has to be on that crisp white it, paper? <laughs> it used to be, but we did field tests with our 100% recycled office paper against 100% virgin and none of the participants could pick the difference. Okay. So, well, um, I don't understand it, it then. It, if if it's at the same price point, like um, Virgin Office paper is the same price as recycled paper, and you can't really tell the difference between the two products. Like, why aren't people buying it? I think it's habit. Uh, one of the the things that we know about uh, behaviour change is that it's very hard to change entrenched habits. And if you've always bought that particular brand of office paper and you automatically reach for it when you go to the office supplies company or you get it sent to you, you have to make a conscious decision that I'm going to change my my practices. And, and uh, fortunately, we are finding that companies are more and more taking seriously their environment environment, social and governance responsibilities, and that's partly driven by consumers demanding it of businesses. Um, so this is one of the really low-hanging fruit for, for businesses mm. to improve their practices, is to so. not only recycle, but also to buy recycled content. Rebecca Gilling is with you, CEO of Planet Arc. This text, I just got back from a place where they separated their rubbish into 13 bins. And if ah. you don't do it correctly, your waste doesn't get collected. Australia is so lazy with their rubbish. Margaret's in Surrey Hills. Morning, Margaret. Oh, good morning, Rochelle. Um, just three points. I'll be as quick as possible. 
Bamboo, I have always understood, requires lots of energy processes or energy demanding process. So it's not necessarily a silver bullet. Um, lots, uh, most um, paper is produced in an A4 format, even if you only need a tiny receipt mm. and you get the information right at the top of the page and the rest is waste. And that's simply because it suits um, wholesalers, retailers, manufacturers to, to uh, standardise on one size, the same as it does with plastic bags. Yeah. And the third is, what about a levy? Probably at wholesale stage mm. on hands and yeah, the levy is a, something that quite a few people have actually suggested here, Margaret. So you're not alone there, Rebecca. Would something like a levy be helpful? Well, certainly it would change behaviour. There's no doubt about it. Whether it's politically palatable or not is, is um, I think, a, a fairly big question. There are lots of things that we could apply levies to that are a greater environmental impact even than this um, that we, we choose not to because uh, it's politically unpalatable to do so. Okay, let's have a chat with Diana, who is in Geelong. G'day, Diana. What are you thinking at the moment? Um, well, I'm wondering why uh, we had covid we know how people suffered during COVID and also we know how important it became to have local companies. So why can't superannuation companies and trade unions who have lots of money behind them get together and buy these small companies and then start making a small profit from them and be happy with a small profit? So you're talking about uh, small paper mills, for example? Yeah, well, like the one that you've been, where you've been interviewing the people mm -hmm. from that it's closing down, maybe someone could buy that. I don't know whether going. that's necessarily the issue, though, Diana, or, you know, we've obviously seen some of the, the huge changes to native logging in this state and as a result then just physically not being able to produce that paper. But I yeah. wonder, Rebecca, globally... Where do we stand in terms of becoming paperless, finding a resource and a product to create paper that isn't necessarily from timber? We've got lots of texts in about everything from bamboo to hemp, you name it. In just a moment, we'll talk about waste. You can even turn mushrooms into paper. Where do we stand globally? Well, as with all of these um, environmental initiatives that affect consumers, we are tend to be uh, fairly far behind Europe because uh, the um, uh, European Community sets uh, very tight regulations on companies that we don't apply. Uh, for, for the most part, we do a bit better than the US. Um, we're, we're somewhere in the middle, really, on, on most of these things. I don't have absolute statistics on our place in terms of, of paper production and, and reuse and recycling. But we do know that in a circular economy, what we need to be focusing on is avoiding in the first place, reusing where possible, reducing and recycling comes way further down the track. So really, um, the, the faster we can move towards uh, using paper judiciously uh, where we need it, but not, not um, wastefully, 
that's really the way we ought to be going. I can remember when the first recycled paper toilet paper came out, you know, when we first saw toilet paper that wasn't white, you know, that was brown. <laughs> and you think that if you bought brown toilet paper, it was more environmentally friendly. So you had to really sort of do your homework to ensure that you weren't being greenwashed in order of the products that you were buying. But I can remember when that first shift and that behaviour change shift occurred. So that's something that's happened in our lifetime. Where does toilet paper fit into this conversation, Rebecca? So, yes, we're using less and less office paper, so to speak. You know, we don't have one of those A4 reams in our homes or maybe next to our offices or you might just be sitting your computer on it, but that's about it. But surely toilet paper should be the bigger concern here in terms of the sort of paper that we're using and producing. Most definitely. And in fact, the the days of that brown, rough, um, inferior product, um, recycled product, are long gone. You can buy um, 100% recycled toilet paper now that is virtually indistinguishable from the virgin product and is at price parity. So there is absolutely no reason why people can't um, access that um, it, you know, back in the day, it was really the the committed greenies, if you like, who were the ones who were, who sought those products out. What we need to do is shift the mainstream of the population to just accept this as a given that this is this is normal practice. It's not outside the norm to buy products with recycled content. Yeah, well, thank you so much for yeah. speaking to us, Rebecca. It's been illuminating on a it number has. of levels. Rebecca Gilling, CEO of Planet Arc. I didn't know that, Rish, that recycled paper, same price point, mm. you can't really tell the difference, but people still, it's a cultural thing. It's a change. Well, is that, I was actually trying to get my head around that, right? And as I just said, I spent my weekend twice, <laughs> believe it or not, at Officeworks this weekend. Yeah. That's a yeah. luxurious life that I lead. Yeah. But if you don't have a big chain store where you have multiple options, if you just have a small news agents or a general store, then you're not going to have that option and that choice. And Vicky in Merbu North has summed it up better than I just did, which it says most businesses, including supermarkets, news agents, don't offer recycled office paper, let alone tissues or paper towel. Even Bunnings, who market themselves as using uh, FCS timber products, have their Australia-made recycled paper on the most higher shelf, out of view, out of reach. You have to physically go and ask for it. So I think a lot of it is purely around access and having those options as well because if it was just about price point i don't i think it's a no-brainer yeah you would think so wouldn't you but um really interesting text here and thank you to everyone who has sent through a text we haven't been able to get to all of them because there just been so many texts but this one says please stop with this behavior change obsession just make it easy for us to swap out unsustainably produced products they just need to be part of our everyday routines without having to struggle to make good choices shift responsibility to the producers uh okay i get it i hear what you're saying but i guess you can't really do that without having these conversations first so thank you for your text this is the conversation hour on abc radio melbourne and victoria Michelle Hunt with you in Melbourne, Jonathan Kendall with you in Sale. And we started today's conversation, Jono, in Maryvale, just outside where you are in Sale, as they stopped producing 
white office, office paper. paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you look at all the flow-on effects of other businesses that I guess for years, for decades, have been focused on paper. This is one that I'd forgotten about. This is from Damo in Bendigo and it says, as someone who used to work in the print industry installing photocopiers, I can say that offices that call themselves paper-free or said that they were moving away were the ones that would use the most paper. But when you look at even just photocopiers in office places now, I don't know. When was the last time you hung out at the photocopier? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I know um, school teachers do a lot because I don't know if you know this about me, Rich, but I do have a teaching degree. And on my placements, that was always really busy. The school photocopier, there's always, you know, a lineup for it and people, so much paper is used in a lot of schools. So that would well, be Well, I can't touch photocopied paper. It's That's really? my heebie-jeebie thing. Oh. Yeah. It's because hot. of the static or something? Yeah, oh. the static and it's hot and... Oh, uh, cannot, it's nice. It's, not, it's all nice and warm. Paper. It's like bread oh, out of the oven. No, it's beautiful. It's so gross. <laughs> Yost Backer is a zero waste advocate and a regular on the Conversation Hour. And Yost, we've had multiple texts from people saying there are alternatives. We can use bamboo. We can use hemp. Surely there's a way to produce paper without us having to use timber. And this is something that you've been telling us for some time. We can actually create paper from waste, can't we? Well, yeah, it's the word paper comes from the word papyrus, which all the original paper was plant-based and it actually takes a lot less chemicals and a lot less energy to make paper from crop residue, things like um, banana uh, waste, uh, uh, potato foliage. And there's close to half a billion farmers that have a byproduct, which is the straw, the residue, the crop residue. And, you know, it's, it, it's purely economic is the reason why we use trees for paper because you know the, you can get wood chips out of the Amazon for 50, 50 cents a ton. Now it's impossible for a farmer, even though it's a byproduct and a waste product, it's impossible for a farmer to bale the straw and get it to a port or to you know a mill for fifty cents a ton. And so it, it, companies have access to wild diverse forests all over the world. They didn't have to pay to plant them. They didn't have to pay to do anything. So they can, they can pretty much just clear them. So, you know, this I'm really, really um, excited about India and China moving away from paper that's made, paper and cardboard that's made from wood chips. And it's actually as a result of the pollution that China has now banned the burning of, of crop residue. And mm. so you can imagine 100 million farmers in China now no longer being able to burn the crop residue. And that has meant that they're now turning, you know, millions, if not billions of tons of that kind of waste. Into, it's now being fermented. Paper. Well, it's being fermented and turned into alcohol, first of all. So it can be used for running trucks, cars, planes. And then the residue can then be turned into into paper. So it's... All this, all these new um, innovations are coming out. But it would need a lot of infrastructure, Yoast, wouldn't it? So is that part of the problem that, yes, technically it can be done, but without the money being spent on the infrastructure, it's never going to happen? Well, that infrastructure existed. And um, because the companies got bigger and bigger and then started to just rely on, on old growth forests. So, I mean, Sweden has lost 35% of its, in, of its wild forest in the last 20 years. And a lot of those, and it's being replanted with single species monoculture, you know, to to keep up with the appetite of this timber. You know, when a, when a tree gets harvested, only between 
30 and 50% of the log actually gets used for timber. The rest is waste. And that a lot of those wood chips and bark and those sorts of things go into making paper. So it's not that trees get compl- or forests get completely cut down for wood chips. It's, it's often a lot from byproduct. Hmm. But, you know, the concern is that um, the craziness is that we've got plenty, you know, we've got, we've got like we're burying something like 40,000 trees worth of paper in the US in landfill every day. But so, would it, wouldn't you need, I mean, Rish raises a good point there, wouldn't you need different infrastructure? There's this machine at Maryvale, uh, Opal Australian Paper in Maryvale, uh, in the Latrobe Valley, it's called the M5, and it takes um, chips and turns it into copy paper, office copy paper. Like, like are you saying, you know, a farmer could turn up there with a trailer load full of hay and put that into the same machine and, you know, the same copy paper would come out? Definitely not. No, you would need different infrastructure, different, and that, that infrastructure used to exist, but it's all gone. And, and so that's what China and India are doing. They're building plants and making sure that it's not centralized, it's decentralized. So where there's a lot of crops grown, that's where these plants are being built. And it just makes complete sense because they were burning this crop residue causing the emissions of, of places in c- cities like Beijing to go through the roof, mainly from crop residue. And now they're turning that into paper mm. and into energy and into alcohol. It's, it's just... Is it, it something that you think we'll do here, Yost? I mean, I guess our conversations Absolutely. are becoming more and more heated and more and more urgent uh, around just how we treat our environment. And now as we see mills quite literally not producing this type of paper... Will it's we start to see the results? If you see the amount of coffee cups now being made from crop residue, I'm Not Paper is one of the fastest growing brands of coffee cups. It's made from banana pulp. Is this the one you potato. can eat? No, it's oh. not one you can eat, but it's made from <laughs> yeah, crop residue. Okay. I saw that the that's, other day. That's a waffle like, cone. That's a waffle cone. <laughs> I know. But, you know, it's, it's, it's inevitable that we go this way because we can't yeah. keep doing what we're doing. It's just, yeah. it's yeah. It, you know, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. And, yes. you know, the other thing we... we you know, should recognize is that someone, you know, that Steve Jobs invented a smartphone and that that little invention, can you just like imagine how much paper that that one device has saved? Like Mm -hmm. we don't send faxes to each other anymore. We don't need to print stuff out anymore, you know. It's, oh, but it's, the amount of emails I get, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know. So, it's so true. Yos, thanks so much. We appreciate your time. No worries. Yost Tobacco, Zero Waste Advocate. And you, I mean, okay, you might think I don't use copy paper anymore and more and more yeah. people are saying that because we're working from home. We've realised that the wastage that we have or just the sheer, I mean, you got to look at the law industry, right? The legal industry yes. and just the folders and folders and folders and folders of printouts that yep. are used for each case. And that might just be, you know, one lawyer, let alone multiple lawyers, multiple cases. So that's one industry where yeah. they're probably keeping paper use up just on their own. That's it. I mean, that, and that's a long tradition of paper usage, right? But I feel like what Yost was saying there is true. We can change when we need to. And that that really came through from COVID is that when we are forced to change, we can figure stuff out and we, and we, we seem to make it work. Uh, Dr. Tien Hun is a biotechnologist at RMIT and a mycologist as well. Are you making paper from mushrooms, are you? Yes, we certainly are. And hi, everyone. Welcome to the new year. Um, and I was listening to the other speaker. And you know what? I've noticed that at least within the last five years, people's attitudes have certainly changed. Mm. And even the consumers, for instance, are now demanding for it. So 
I, I see great hope for alternatives and being more sustainable in the way we use paper. And I've always um, been a big yeah. mushroom advocate, especially in my household. I'm the, I'm the only one that loves them, possibly not as much as you, Tien. But when we <laughs> look at just this week, for example, when it comes to single-use plastics, okay? So from the 1st of Feb, there is a ban that is coming in on single-use plastics for those in the retail sector. So you're right. We are seeing huge shifts in consumer behaviour and what is expected of us now. How possible would it be for someone like yourself to be able to make paper alternatives from things like mushrooms without a heap of money and a heap of infrastructure? Well, everyone can do it. Um, on a small scale, it's it's so simple. The process is you can just, you know, now it's mushroom season, you can just get those mushrooms that you don't eat that's down the bottom of the drawer that's almost going a bit mushy. Blend it up with a bit of water and then you can actually put it out on a tray or um, with some fabric on it so it drains away the water and depending on how much water you have is how thin it becomes. And you dry it up and it can be a great cardboard alternative. Um, and for us, we use high temperature and low temperatures to actually bind the chitin together so it actually has a more uh, fire-resistant property that we're looking for. And we also use um, compression to make the paper super thin so we can put it into cladding, for instance. But for the home person, this is totally mm-hmm. a great project for students or, or little kids to, to do. They get wet, they, they see it drying, and then they can draw on it and they can colour it. It's, it's, it's doable on a small scale, but I think on the bigger scale, it's, it's about, you know, like the last speaker was talking about, making it close to sites where you get all the waste. So for mushroom farms, it'd be really yeah. bad idea. And that would be things. a good alternative too for all of that packaging that we have, you know, the sort of the styrofoam mm-hmm. packaging and all of that excess packaging that we still get and we're buying more and more online. Yes, and it's breathable, it smells okay, it's, it's just it's biodegradable. Um, I, I think it's because the chitin that it contains, it's a very strong fibre. Mm. Um, so it could last a distance, it can also absorb colours so you don't have to make it brown like it normally comes out. It's got great properties, and I think the conversation is really important to get the farmers that, that produce these mushrooms to making uh, alternatives to upcycle the waste that they produce, yeah. especially all the waste mushrooms that are starting to go mouldy. Or and they do that now with composting. But yeah, yeah. Right at home, I, I, we could easily do it. I think a lot of farmers are really good at using a lot of the waste that they produce as well. But um, just before we, we let you go, there's a text here saying, why aren't we talking about industrial hemp? It's easy to grow, low pesticide use, multiple applications. I mean, you're working with mushrooms at the moment, but are there other avenues we should be looking at? Absolutely. A whole heap of stuff. Even our um, weedy grasses, because a lot of the monocots, which are what the grass is growing They've got very fibrous leaves that don't really break down very easy. You can use that for paper. The, the properties that we don't want, for instance, it doesn't break down very easy. It's got these thin, strong fibres. Um, like, for instance, uh, they make, you know, the pineapple tops mm-hmm. from pineapples into leather because it's got that very fibrous uh, property that's really great for leather. So we've got heaps of plants, especially Australian native plants that are, you know, drought-resistant, I just love hearing about some of the work that people do, like yourself, Tian. It's so fascinating and it's so important as well. Thanks, as always, for your time. 
You're welcome, and hopefully we can get this movie yes. in our, our lifetime. I don't think we're <laughs> going to have much choice. Dr. Tian Hun there is a biotechnologist at RMIT and a myocologist as well, making paper from mushrooms, Jono. And when you think about some of the industries that use a lot of paper, there were multiple that I hadn't even thought about. This that says, hey, guys, what about label waste in hospital settings? We use one or two per patient. If they could program software differently, we could have a couple of sheets per label per clinic, but no one even bothers about it. And lots of people talking about how their local supermarkets moved away from paper labels and gone into the digital. Yeah, that's right. And I was talking before about how schools, in schools, photocopiers and printers are hotspots of activity. Well, I reckon hospitals are the same. Hospital printers are just working around the clock pretty much a lot of the time. But um, if anything, this conversation has really highlighted for me that we can change when we want to. When we really want to make a change, we can. And we saw that over COVID, but I'm just not sure whether we are ready to make this change yet. Jonathan Kendall, as always, thank you, mate. Tomorrow, we're talking about dog. Dogs on leashes. Where should dogs be allowed to roam free and where should they be on a leash?